Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Osiris. Welcome to Wheels Off, a show about the messy reality of the creative life. I'm Rhett Miller. Jamie Wyatt is someone I consider a friend, someone I've been lucky enough to have done gigs with over the years, had great conversations with over the years. When I realized that she had a new record dropping and that it would be the perfect time to lure her onto the Wheels Off platform, I jumped at the chance. And, of course, Jamie did not disappoint. Her new record, Feel Good, is fantastic. She made it with Adrian Quesada of Black Pumas. And it is a departure from what people might have expected from her, having witnessed her work in the past and that's great that's what we want out of our artists and you know jamie's journey is fascinating and we get into it a little bit during the course of this conversation if you want to know more about her backstory there's you know a wealth of interviews out there online where you could read more Uh, i was really interested to hear where she is right now you know and um when i caught up with her (laughs) well you'll hear She's in a great place, and um, professionally and personally, and I just, I think the world of Jamie, and I really think that you guys are going to love this conversation, but more so, perhaps, you're going to love her music. If you haven't heard of her before, please go seek it out, dig into it. She's great. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Wheels Off, Jamie Wyatt. Welcome to Wheels Off, Jamie Wyatt. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you? I'm doing so well. Thank you for having me on the show. For the edification of our listeners, where are you right now? Uh, Right now I'm in Austin, Texas, and we are going to do some radio in Dallas, going to do some radio in Austin, then play ACL Fest on Friday. Nice. This won't air for a little while, so oh, guys, right. if we if will you, have played, you ACL will have, Fest. No, no, that's good. It's yeah. We it's will a, have slayed ACL Fest. I'm sure that is actually true, and it's good. I think for the listeners to get a mental image of sort of where you're at, you know, yeah. work wise. Like you're, this is probably feels like a pretty great place to be. ACL's huge, and you've got a great new record about to drop. It will have dropped by the time this episode airs. Like, you've got to feel pretty good, I, I hope. Yes, I'm I'm really proud. I'm really proud of this record. I'm really, um, I'm really amazed that I got to work with such amazing people on, on the record in the recording process. I'm still discovering things, listening back to the album that, that I haven't gotten the opportunity to fully appreciate because we really just, you know, we, we were grinding in the studio and and now i have this this uh this record that i'm really proud of um yeah so i'm excited to share with everyone you know like i'm not I, i've kind of been like that with my albums but this one i'm like no 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 you gotta listen to this one <laughs> yeah 
Um, I've interviewed Adrian Quesada before for Wheels Off. <clears throat> Fascinating awesome. dude. And I was so yes. excited to hear that y'all were working together. And uh, that was right there probably in Austin, right? Yes, yes. Uh, Adrian Quesada produced the new album at his studio, Electric Deluxe Recorders, in Austin, on the east side. Um, and and actually, we're back to, about to go back there and tape some live live renditions, too. Nice. But yeah, Adrian, Adrian was amazing. It was so cool to work with him. And I know there's a lot of sounds on the record that hadn't appeared on your albums before. I'm wondering... <clears throat> did you come in like ba like make it weird use all this different stuff or did he push you how did that evolve well i came i mean i definitely was like weird is important for me right now you yeah. know so i definitely said that but as to how he interpreted that it still it still blew my mind just how cool and what sounds um and how the arrangements were made i definitely said you know uh when i called him up initially to make the record was like hey listen i know like um this could be this could feel like a project outside the box you know uh being that i've made two um country records or in the tradition of alt what i would call alt country but they call it americana right yeah. <laughs> it, it, you know what i mean oh and, do i yeah yes i know you know <laughs> and um and then so I, but i said hey man i'm i've been writing these songs on piano i've been writing kind of um uh, old school r&b or soul or i i feel like uh when i say soul it feels weird you know what i mean i'm like i don't know if i can call it that but i've studied that music while writing these songs so old school R&B um, and then some more 60s influences too. The, and I was like, there's actually a fair bit of psychedelia on this record. So then I think that's when he was like, oh, oh yeah, I, I could do this, you know, because um, otherwise it felt pretty outside of the box, I think initially to him. Oh man, that's so exciting. So I imagine, I, I think I can imagine what you are focusing on creatively right now, but um, do you have a creative project beyond the sort of release of this album that's that's starting to take shape in your mind? Like, have you already moved on in some ways to what might be the next thing for you? Oh, well, I mean, I've, I've hit a place. Yes. Let me just say that I'm like, I, I wish I could go in the studio like in a month, but because I've tapped into something where like I tapped into sort of, um, you know, my childlike fascination with, with music and making melodies and, and, and making grooves. And I, at this point in my life, like, you know, for a long time, I don't know how you felt about this rep, but being like a front person and having a vision, um, at this point in my life, I don't care. Like if I sound stupid conveying that vision, at all right like i'm like i'm gonna air drum i'm gonna have drum riffs that i'm gonna sing out loud you guys are gonna hear me go like pat boom debbie boom a thousand times like i don't care but i have this vision and i finally learned how to communicate it you know i, I love it i i remember the first time i met you i felt like it was it was early ish in your career and and my impression was that your confidence was building but was still a work in progress and to hear Absolutely. you describe it now that you you have no shame about just you know doing whatever you want on the demo to to get your vision across oh it makes me so happy thank you i know you i know you know that 
And I that feels true to me that when I met you, I I was just sort of like almost like brand new in the world. I felt like um, I had just come out, um, I'd come out of the closet and really like figured myself out, uh, which was kind of crazy. So now through all this like work and the time that's passed between the last time I saw you, yeah, I really, I really do feel like much more comfortable and confident. And that's, it's kind of, it's kind of amazing, you know, just the way the universe works and how, um, you know, different communities have helped me and therapies and all that stuff. And just doing the deal, playing music on stage, people put me on stage all the time. How amazing is that? Well, it is and it isn't. That's the funny thing is because <laughs> like, you know, for for you, this journey to get to the point where you really, I mean, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like you're describing like yeah. you really, you really own it. Like right now you really sort of accept that you have a gift and that you're willing to like share it with the world, even at the risk of making yourself vulnerable or sounding yeah. stu stupid or whatever um, right. on your demos, not in the record. But, doesn't. <laughs> but actually that too, though, Rhett, like, yeah. It's all sub subject to criticism, all of it. So yes, anyway. well, I mean, I guess my point is, though, from the outside world, for those of us that saw you back then, before you sort of turned the corner, it was already obvious. So it brings True. up the point to me that we are always beating ourselves up in this way where why are other people able to be kinder to us than we are to ourselves? So I wonder when you encounter these internal voices that are negative, that the, the trying to keep us down, keep us from doing what we want, internally generated obstacles. What have you figured out as stratagem for overcoming that? Yeah, there's a that's a really good question. Uh, one that I I like want to answer because I feel like I've developed a really um I, I can't say good or bad, but effective way to conversate with myself internally that seems to be working. It's all experimental, but um you know, I've definitely like uh, the conversations that I have to have with myself a lot are about like what is feeling versus fact and and how they're both important and valid. You know, usually it's something to myself. Uh, well, usually I'd say something to the effect of, let's say I'm having a moment where I feel like that spark of like a feeling, uh, maybe it's an anxiety, like a, <gasps> your stomach drops and I'm like, okay, um, well, let's breathe, think about the feeling. And I kind of just go inward and I'm like, oh, well, yes, this is a valid feeling. Yes, this is an experience I'm having. Um, what can I do for myself in this moment? Can I, do I need to step away and give myself a moment or, or can I talk myself through? Let's say something happens right before stage even. I'm like, I, I still, you know, I'm not religious um, or ha I don't have a, you know, any particular deity in mind when I pray, but I still pray quite a bit. Um, and, and just to be clear enough to uh, present myself in a way that I feel safe and good. And I also do a lot of like, like, you know, the self-love shit. I'm all about it. I'm going to get, I'm going to go in the mirror and I'm going to be like, I do the practice. I, I look in the mirror and I'm like, I love you and I forgive you and you're going to be all right. And um, that's really basic, I know, in a practice, but it's still really beneficial. Um, 
you know, it's it's a lot of like that. What I'm trying to practice right now is radical self-care because when I have adversity or depression, I'll go to um, a place of not needing anything and I'll neglect myself. And that's not effective either when you know what I mean? Like I need to um, there's things that I'm being challenged you know, this is challenging touring. Um, asked me two days ago how I felt, Rhett, I would have been like, I don't know, man, I'm hanging in there, but boy, <laughs> like, you know, cause I, last weekend I flew um, to both the West Coast and the East Coast in two days, mm. you know, a Friday in California and a Saturday in Charleston. And sometimes just the travel will like make my adrenaline go off for no reason where I'm like, I'm not even about to get on stage. I'm not, I'm like sitting in an airplane chair, <laughs> you know? So there's a lot of, a lot of meditation and a lot of um, deep breathing now. I'll try anything, shit. Uh, I'll try anything once if it's, uh, if it's not, um, you know, uh, drugs anymore. <laughs> yeah, do you mind if I ask about your sobriety? Uh, yeah, you can ask about my sobriety. How long have you been sober? Well, I haven't drank in six years and um, I, I call myself, I'm California sober. Okay, uh, sure. I got and um, I think THC has been really helpful in sure. pain, uh, appliances or in just uh, trying to combat the adrenaline to come down and rest. Yeah. Uh, you know, so that's changed my view a little bit about sobriety, but I, I, um, I'm very committed to recovery. I like the word recovery a lot more personally. Yeah. Nice. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember when I was newly sober, figuring out with you that you were as well. And, yeah. and um, it was nice. It was nice to find somebody else on, on this side of, of the line, you know, at least stop, you no longer drinking and it made, right. um, yeah, it's it's I think it's it's good to acknowledge it. Not that everybody has to be necessarily, but no, but if it's something that curbs your happiness or for me, it curbed my happiness. It, yeah. it it caused depression for me to, and and it also just worsened all my problems. So for me, it was a problem that I had to take care of and and remain abstinent from alcohol as a result. But, you know there are what i've discovered now is there's so many paths to get there yeah. and um and really just if you're taking a look at it like i'm with you it's yeah. it or or if it's not a problem for you it's not a problem for you exactly right? so i wonder your perspective is fascinating to me because you started really early like you were in yeah. the business really early and um I wonder, do you remember when you were a kid? Do you remember there being a moment when you knew, like, this is it? I'm going to be a, a rock and roller, a musician, a singer, yeah. whatever. And um, it, was there an epiphany moment for you? And then how did it oh, yeah. evolve as it became a real job? Yeah. It, it, well, there was definitely many epiphanies. And I, I was raised in a house where there were, you know, people trying to be rock stars. And that was my dad. And um, I was very young when he was doing all this. So... I think most of that is probably just like in the womb. I, I was exposed to Grateful Dead and Rolling Stones and lots of lots of shows and lots of studio hangs. Um, as a young child, I was at concerts uh, as well. And and then my 
earliest memory probably of an epiphany and that I wanted to, well, I saw Bonnie Raitt when I was like four, my parents took me with them to the forum in LA. And then um, they, uh, they introduced me to Bonnie Raitt and I had seen her play guitar and, and sing like an angel, like she does. And I was like, I want to, I want to be her. I want to do that, that I was like, we're both wearing cowboy boots. This is, this is feasible. <laughs> I love just, that. So that was one moment. Yeah. But there were many moments like that, I think, in uh, starting, you know, or after that point where I saw concerts and 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 really believed that I could do what they were doing up there on stage. It's funny. I like the way that you say it like that, because a lot of people, I think, imagine that people who do what we do for a living when we have the epiphany that we want to do it. It's because we look at someone on stage and we think about like the glamorous trappings of, you know, the rock star life, but you, you're like looking at her boots or, you know, like, do you feel like you immediately started thinking of it as a job when you were imagining it? Like the nitty gritty, like, oh, I'm going to play guitar. I'm going to go to this place. I'm going to. Yeah. I think I knew it was job just because of my exposure as a child. And it yeah. was like, you know, everyone to me was coming off very professional. At least that's who I locked into. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I think when I was a teenager, I was, you know, with depression was then was I like discovering Keith Richards and like maybe wanting to be like that, you know, removed. But I think as a child, I definitely saw it as a job. And my parents instilled to me uh, the values of songwriting and lyricism and uh, reading like from a young age poetry and studying lyrics from a young age too that's just something we did in the car my mom and i a lot dissecting lyrics and uh and talking about music and listening to music and singing just constantly yeah, that's so great i think it it the point doesn't get made often enough when people talk about songwriting the the overlap with with poetry because i think people make fun of poetry or yeah look down on it but I, I thank you. Thank you for bringing it up, because I do think it's it's a really there's a lot of we owe a lot of, of debt, rock and roll songwriters to yes. poetry. Yes, we do. Yes. Um, and I'll be the first to say I'm a poetry nerd. And, um, you know, poets like E.E. E. Cummings and, you know, there just wouldn't be like folk music without E.E. E. Cummings or Ginsburg, you know, uh, or Dylan Thomas, right? We talk. We wouldn't have Bob Dylan without Dylan Thomas. Mm -hmm. I think. But, um, but yeah. So I, I'm hugely into um, studying poetry. I think the hardest part about loving poetry was that when I got to songwriting, I was like, "Oh, I can't fit all these words." <laughs> <laughs> so I've gotten simpler as I've gotten older because I. Now I see the need to be impactful in fewer words with songwriting. I, I just conducted my first songwriting retreat. And one thing that kept coming up that I hadn't anticipated was the idea of economy. And it's just huge because in poetry, economy is important, but she's songwriting. It becomes even more so. Yeah. Yeah. Economy. That is so funny. I was like, wait, what? Oh, yeah. You've only got this much real estate to work yeah. with. Yes. So you've got to be economical. 
and efficient or, you know, sometimes choose which, what you can live with or me now I have to take concepts. I'm like, Oh, that line right there, that needs to be in a whole nother song because that is just like <laughs> big, too big for these bridges. Like, <laughs> you know, so the puzzle of it, uh, the process of this thing is where I, I get a lot of joy. And that's, what I was, I was kind of told, you know, a long time ago, you, you got to love the process, not the end result. Um, so, you know, every couple of days, I'll remember that. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. It's so easy to forget all this stuff. Well, yeah, um, I feel like there's, there's so much gold in here. And I'm, I'm so grateful to not only to know you now, but to have known you sort of over all these years. And I, I'm, I'm, um, I would say I'm blown away by everything you've accomplished, but I'm not because I just feel like, oh. you know, it was undeniable from the start and and I'm, I just love watching it though. But I wonder if you would be willing to try and distill some of this wisdom you've been sharing, imagine a 21 year old version of yourself in okay. today, in today's world. And yes. what advice might you give 21 year old you? I could give advice to a 21 year old me it was like to thy own self be true at all costs i mean you know to know thy own self and uh that you know there's some selfishness that is important and uh you know if i could have learned that a little younger that all the people pleasing and uh you know that that was you know though kind um often misdirected and as in a distraction to hide from myself you know so um yeah if i could just tell that younger person to to you know go inward more and be um true to thyself i don't know who knows but i know that young people now have um hopefully if i say that you know that some, someone younger might hear that uh because it's been a journey and i wouldn't change the past i i appreciate my whole all the lessons all the experiences i've had i appreciate them but that said uh you know definitely could have slowed down a little bit as a young person it's funny how often that comes up with people that do our job is because we're people pleasers professionally i mean that's our job is to please a yes. room full of people but yes. sometimes it's our downfall too like oh yeah hmm. yes yes absolutely um you know it it's it's a curious thing to be a performer and then also they're not just people aren't watching you just perform or just listening um they want to know that you know yourself i think i really do think that's the truth um they want to know that you know a little bit more maybe than you do <laughs> so but um the importance of knowing what makes me happy as an artist it it does have value when it comes to performing because they know that they know if i'm in it they know if i'm emotionally invested in what i'm singing and saying and uh 
you know, I've, I've always been pretty good at expressing myself via lyrics, you know, because I could always code everything that I felt like I could code it and make it so abstract. Nobody could, could attest it to, you know, or attribute it to one thing, but there's a lot of things I actually needed people to know about me. Um, and that I needed to know about myself, you know, have you ever wrestled with this idea um, that comes up a lot, especially in the subgenre that you and I have been, you know, shoved into over the years? The idea of authenticity of people judging you about whether or not you're authentic. Oh, and yeah. then, but then the the two meanings of that word, like, are you authentically, you know, like a rodeo bull riding cowboy singing per whatever? Like, can you yeah. ro- can you rope a bull type authenticity? Oh, right. Versus what you're talking about, which I think is the really valuable kind, which is, are you yourself? Right. Absolutely. I think that when they were talking, you know, when we we're talking about the subgenre Americana and uh, I've always worn a cowboy hat, like since I was a little kid and I grew up around horses, um, but I got more into, you know, I worked at horse barns, but I got more into skateboarding. Um, but like, I wonder if I was, you know, roping and riding, if I might have the same perspective or be as a writer, I feel like it's a full-time job to be a writer, a, a songwriter. Yeah. It's it's something that I'm always observing people and relationships and love and um, communication and, and life events and how things unfold. Um, I always felt that demand of my full attention. I don't know if I had time to write country songs if I was roping, uh, you know, bulls and riding bulls or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. But um, yeah, the authenticity is, I feel like that gets thrown around in a way that's confusing because authenticity can have so many different meanings, right? You were talking about someone being authentic to themselves. Um, but also sometimes I'm interjecting my perspective onto uh, a genre of music that I've studied, uh, you know, proficiently and know how to reproduce, but I want to put my stamp on it because otherwise, you know, when I was um, studying a lot of like Waylon Jennings music and stuff, I was like, why would I want it to be ex- sound exactly like that? Or we would put on the original record. Yeah. You know? Um, so it's really important to put an individual slant on your music. You know, it's just so when they talk about authenticity, it's uh, I always feel like it's like, well, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I got to believe the performer. I know that. But all I have to believe is that they are emotionally invested in the experience they're they're performing. Yeah, that's what authenticity to me is. I love that. Like the bridge that they're building is from their own true heart to the listener. It's not. Yeah. Or they understand in this realm where they fit in the frame of things. And they're, yeah. And they're conveying, they're trying to emote and convey these words. I I hope. Yeah. I love that. It's like making a Waylon Jennings song. If he was obsessed with the E.E. Cummings. Yes. (laughs) Totally. Oh man. Well, I'm I'm so excited about Feel Good. I'm really I just I love seeing every step of your journey and I really appreciate you sharing your wisdom with me and the Wheels Off listeners. Thank you, Jamie. 
Thank you, Rhett. You're such a light at the end of the tunnel. You're just so, um, <laughs> your energy is so wonderful and loving and, and supportive. So um, just thanks for being you and thanks for doing this podcast and having me be your guest. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for listening to Wheels Off. Please be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes. That helps us appear higher in the search results and lets other folks know that it's a cool podcast to listen to. Also, as the kids say, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere else that you listen to shows like this so that you never miss an episode. This has been Wheels Off, and I'm Rhett Miller, encouraging you to create every day. Thanks, y'all. Hey, this is Aaron from No Simple Road. I'm inviting you to come hang out with Apple, Mel, and I as we talk with the musicians, artists, chefs, authors, and beyond from the world that turns us on. We're reaching into the improvisational music scene, the psychedelic culture, the festival world, and getting to know what makes the people tick that create those scenes. Come join us on the long, strange trip over at No Simple Road.